Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire, back to Lafleur. Oh! The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. You're in the ball! Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est la bonne idée. Ce sera la victoire des Canadiens. pour les Canadiens. Le troisième de l'histoire. You found the dogs! John, you found the dogs! He found the dogs! And all together, they worked a young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground. Your premier gaming destination. It's going to be sick. Happy Valentine's, everyone. Marinero on this Wednesday, February 14, the Sick Podcast, weeknights, 10 p.m., live on YouTube, live on Facebook, live on Twitter. Special thanks to our partners and our sponsors, starting with Energy Transportation Group, a leading full-service logistics provider, serving all of North America, driven to be different, a special hello to Mike Chiquino, Sean Gerard, and David Grassi. Also, Thanks to these guys right behind me, Labitta TB, brewed in Quebec, a winner of a dozen international awards. Labitta TB offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste. Labitta TB, embrace your true nature. Hello to Aldo Geloso. Also brought to you in part by Playground. And a special hello to my buddy Danny with the yellow tie. Discover a world of luxury at Playground. Explore their new 30,000 Square foot expansion with thrilling games, gourmet dining, and live entertainment. Located just over the Mercia Bridge, only minutes from downtown Montreal Playground. Playground experience the strip without the trip. And also, uh, a special hello to Ted Harmon over at Accent Insurance Solutions. And Ted will tell you that all insurance isn't created equal, and you know where to find the right solution for you. That's at Accent Insurance. They don't sell insurance. They shop insurance for you to find the right product right on the money, whatever your insurance needs, home, automobile, or business. And every time I see their phone number, I think of my buddy Sergio Momesso, who wore number 36. Call the Accent team today at 514-363-3636. Huge win for the Montreal Canadiens last night versus the Anaheim Ducks. The bad news is um, uh, pretty much everyone beats Anaheim. No, not everyone. It's the National Hockey League. Um, you know, any team could beat any team on any given night, but man, did Anaheim look terrible last night. Joining me right now, regular collaborator on Wednesday. Happy Valentine's to you, hockey analyst at TSN and director of scouting, Craig Button. How are you? I am fantastic. I, I, I just want to start with this. Your intro song, I absolutely love. And, you know, really? I, I, I recorded it. I have recorded it. I now have it now. I can listen to it at any point in time. I'm going to send in a nomination to the Junos because I love that song. It's creative. It's catchy. It gets you moving. It gets you excited for the sick podcast with Tony Marinero. Uh, this song is not unanimous. I have to tell you, I get text messages every day. It's this, it's that, it's this, it's that. But I have a bunch of people 
who, like you, say that they can't get it out of their head. As a matter, and and I got to tell you, the more I hear it, the more I can't get it out of my head. I have myself singing it in the shower, but uh, I don't know who sings it. And Yellow never told me. He told me it's top secret. But uh, whoever does sings it a lot better than I do. I'll tell you that right now. All right. So noted. Um, my, I'm wondering, what did your wife say when you told her you'd be spending Valentine's with Tony Marinaro? She told me how lucky I was. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I hope your lovely wife feels the same way. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I said she knows, uh, she, she knows that I have all these bromances with so many people in, in, in the hockey media. And so she knows so many of the people and has met so many of the people. She just accepts it as, as part of the media bromance that I've had for many years. So she celebrates it. She knows she's not second, but she really appreciates that uh, I, have, uh, I have a real fondness for so many of the people that I've been fortunate to uh, cross paths with, you included. Thank you. Likewise. Uh, Craig, I have to tell you, uh, Montrealers, it's uh, it's unbelievable what a 5 nothing win can do and a three-point night for Uri Slavkowski is first in the National Hockey League, a three-point night for Nick Suzuki, a first NHL goal for Brandon Gignac, first NHL shutout for Caden Primo, three defensemen got into a scrap last night, uh, Kovacevic, Gouli, and Arbor Jacki. I mean, there's so many things that happened in that game last night between the Canadians and the Anaheim Ducks. But look, let's talk about Slavkowski, who's the man of the hour right now. Um, I I told this to Maxim LaPierre last night. I said, Max, you know, I'm not surprised that Slavkowski showing everyone that he's a good player. He was drafted first overall. We all expected that, right? We just didn't know if he was going to be the best player in the draft, the second best, the third best, or the fourth best. And to tell you the truth, we probably won't know for sure you know, and, and for another 10 years or so, or maybe even more. But um, what's blown me away, and I would have never thought this, it's blown me away, is just how fast he's improved, um, how great a student he is, and how some of the weaknesses in his game that I thought would take years, in a couple of months, they're almost like a thing of the past. The way the game has slowed down to him. Craig, you saw this player a lot. If you would have told me he's going to score 40 goals in the National Hockey League one day, I'd believe it. If you told me he would be a modern-day power forward in the National Hockey League, I would have believed it. If you would have told me that he could pass the puck as well as he does, he will have the hockey IQ that he does at age 19, and play the 200-foot game that he does. You know, 90 games into his NHL career, I would have never believed you. I am pleasantly surprised. It's been impressive, hasn't it? And, you know, when you're drafted first overall, you you, you become the man of the future. And, and, and certainly that future was was laid out in terms of how the Montreal Canadiens wanted to handle them in terms of development. And every player progresses at different rates and, and, and at different intervals. And now you look at them and, and, and certainly you want to set up players to, to progress 
at, at, at rates that allow them to have success without getting overwhelmed. And there were certainly some times when you watched Uri and you could see that he was, you know, not press up, not being up to the pace of the game with respect to physically and things were happening fast, which happens to a lot of young players. But I believe now, having watched him play here, really, and I keep going back to Thanksgiving in Los Angeles during that stretch, San Jose, LA, where I I, I saw real discernible, like step forward. He, he's no longer the man of the future; he's become the man of the present. And what he's able to do, and I, Tony, you touched on something that I think is really, really significant. He's a student of the game, and He's wired to be a good player. He's competitive. He is somebody that has a dyed-in-the-wool spirit when it comes to competing. And so now you have a student of the game. You have skills that are, that are there and attributes. And then you have this real, real spirit of determination. Yeah, uh, I, I think the Montreal Canadiens fans and the Montreal Canadiens are watching the blossoming of a player who's going to be instrumental and at the center of the Montreal Canadiens' success in the years to come. Craig, one of the things I look for in players, and um, it's it's easy to pretty much identify, to tell you the truth, is personal pride, professional pride. Like, you know that Sidney Crosby has it because he works at his craft every day and has ever since he was a kid. Like, every day he tries to pick up something and be better, and he practices and practices and practices. You know, Connor Bedard does the same thing. And there's some players, you see them six, seven, or eight years into their career, that one night they can look like a dominant hockey player, and for the next five games they fall asleep. And they don't have the same level of commitment or professional or personal pride. You know what I love about this kid? It's his professional pride and his personal pride. Last year, he was caught with his head down a lot. It was going fast for him, and with his head down, it was not a good combination. And he was getting tagged. On a couple of occasions, Canadians fans put their hands on their head and were almost pulling out their hair because they said, okay, here we go. This is a concussion to the number one pick overall, and it's not going to end well. Eric Lindros had that problem being a big man. He used to keep his head down all the time, keep his head down when he was stick handling, and he got to the big leagues big, strong players, fast game. He got tagged. In the offseason, this guy put on, I, I think they're called virtual reality or whatever they are. They're those, 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 those goggles that you put on, the cameras, everything, and, uh, and there's motions coming at you, and, and you, you really, it, it helps with your reaction time. You're basically exercising your, 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 your eyes and, and your eye-hand coordination and everything so that you're seeing things and you're moving and, and you're reacting. And he identified, and people around him identified an area of his game that he had to improve, and he was committed throughout the entire summer to really improve that area of his game. He was packing a little bit of weight last year, clocking to 239, 240 pounds, uh, weighing in at, and you know what? Thought he would run out of gas a little bit. It made him a little bit sluggish. Shows up to camp. He knocked off about 12 pounds, added on some muscle. The kid is committed, Craig. He's a real one. It's early on in his career, but he's showing us he's a real one. 
Yeah, no question about it. I, I don't think there was any question that Uri Slavkowski was a real player when, when coming into his draft year, being selected first overall. But but again, back to the development. And, you know, when, you know I have my own ideas and my own uh, thoughts on development and, and what I think is best. And I might go a little bit slower. I might keep a player out of the spotlight a little bit longer. But that doesn't mean that there's that that's the only way to do it. And, I, I you know, when, when Marty St. Louis uh, brought, was brought in as a coach, I, I, I was not only brought in uh, to, to try to – instill a spirit into the group. I think it was also an understanding, you know, about about what it means to play in the NHL, about a path. I mean, Marty's path was longer, Marty's path, but it was no less determined. It was no less focused. And there's times when you're going to doubt yourself, and Marty would tell you that there was times when he doubted himself, but he persevered. And, and when you talk about the virtual reality, I think it's a fantastic example that there's many ways to develop and train yourself. They do exactly what you talked about with fighter pilots, you know, flying planes. Because when you're flying planes at Mach 3, Mach 4, and, and it's life and death, you better be aware. And, and understanding that, like, you know, you're I understand, well, the game's fast. Okay, how, how do I get myself to be aware of how much things, uh, how much faster they are? And how do I train myself to do that? I, I've been to the Air Force Academy in, 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 in the United States, and that's exactly what they talk about. They said, we don't take the pilots and put them in the plane and start flying them at Mach 2, Mach 3. They build up to that, and then we see who can handle it. Well, what we're seeing with Uri Slavkovsky is exactly that. We're seeing somebody that said, I can work on this area, just like we talked about last week about him working on a shot. You know, So he's working on a shot. He's working on his mental processing abilities. All things to make himself the best player possible. Who doesn't want somebody of that type of, 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 of character in your organization? And Montreal has that. All right. Uh, here's um, some impressive stats he's been able to put up. Uh, 19 points in his last 22 games. Let's bring up a, a tweet that I saw last night. Okay. Six point six game point streak, five goals and four assists in his last six games. Nine points in his last six games, of course, five goals, four assists. Twelve points in his last eleven games. Nineteen points in his last twenty-two games. Nineteen points in his last twenty-two games. That's unbelievable for a nineteen-year-old kid with 92 NHL games under his belt. I think that's unreal. How impressive is it? Let's bring up the stats of an NHL superstar. Also a former first-round pick overall. Jack Hughes, 14 goals, 37 points, five power play goals, in his first 92 career NHL games. Slavkowski, same amount of points. One more goal, which happened to be a power play goal. If I would have told you <clears throat> before he got drafted, 92 games into his career, Yuri Slavkowski would pick up points and goals at the same pace as Jack Hughes, what would you have said? I wouldn't have been surprised, and I'm going to tell you why. Because Jack Hughes needed to really physically mature. He, he needed to, he, he wasn't big enough and strong enough to handle the rigors of the NHL. And whereas Uri coming in, 
and 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 being a bigger player you talk about players they start to think oh i got to be heavier and it's not about being heavier it's about being able to carry the weight being strong everything else like processing not putting yourself in vulnerable positions so like what have i taken the bet probably not but it wouldn't have, like it wouldn't have surprised me knowing jack's path and and where he was at and, and also knowing that jack had some struggles because of his size we drafted Jerome McGinley in Dallas in 1995, and I'm just and 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 I'm dovetailing into Uri. We loved Jerome, and we thought Jerome was going to be a, a really good, solid NHL player, 30, 35 goals, power winger, be be, be somebody that could really help a team be successful. He won two Memorial Cups in in Kamloops, so we didn't have any doubt about how he could contribute to a winning team. Well, we were wrong. We were wrong. He he became a superstar, one of one of very few six hundred goal scorers, like a great player. And 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 I know we're always projecting, and we projected Jerome to be a, a really good player. I just told you what we projected, and we were wrong. So when you start to watch the the the, the progression and the development of your Slavkovsky, you have to be willing to change your outlook and, 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 and your projection for him. And so now when, when we see Jack Hughes now, so I'm, I'm bringing this all back full circle, I hope, Jack Hughes is a superstar in the league. And now you're seeing the progression of Uri Slavkovsky. I used the Jerome McGinley comparison. And, yeah, I, I, I didn't see Uri as a 40-goal scorer. I'm not so sure I can say that any longer. And you have to be willing to change your outlook on players in, in, in many directions. Maybe a different type of player than you thought they'd be. Maybe better than you thought they'd be. Maybe not as good as they thought they, you'd be. But Jack Hughes is a superstar. And when we look at the numbers through 92 games and you watch what Uri is being able to do, there's no reason to believe. I always felt that he would be a really important player on winning teams. He's yeah. certainly starting to look like he's going to be much better than that and, and, and not just instrumental, but a star in the making. So, you know, you just took us back to the 1995 draft. Uh, you drafted Jerome McGinley with the 11th pick overall. Uh, it's a draft that a lot of Montrealers remember well. Uh, I have to ask you, I don't know what your recollection of that draft is. Where did the... Um, uh, where did the Dallas Stars, where did you guys have um, Terry Ryan on your list? Do you remember? We had him high. I mean, Terry was a was a 50-goal scorer. He was rugged. He was hard-nosed. I mean, he was a, I mean, he was playing in the same league as Jerome. I mean, you had yeah. you had Jerome in, in Kamloops, you had Terry in Tri-Cities. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's Ward, that's Redden, I mean, that's Damon Lankow. I mean, I mean, the Edmonton Oilers drafted Shane, not Edmonton, uh, Winnipeg drafted Shane Doan. Uh, who played with Doan. Yeah, so you're looking at uh, Shane ended up being a really good player. So there's a great example. Jerome, Jerome ended up being far better than we projected. We thought he'd be a really good player. We projected Shane to be what he was, and, and we thought, and, and, and I think that Shane turned out to be exactly what our projection was. We projected Terry to be much better than he was, and he didn't turn out that way. <laughs> now, you can go through the examination. I mean, Terry was a 50-goal scorer. Jerome and Shane were top players on their junior team, back-to-back -back Memorial Cup championships, and players that you felt would be big, strong, rugged wingers as well as Terry. And, and three, three projections, 
three projections. We, we had those guys in our top six, seven players. I can guarantee you that. Uh, like I know for certain we had Lankow, we had Iginla, we had Ryan, we had Doan. We, we loved Redden. Berard was a good player. So when I go back six, seven, I, I know. I'm like, and I know we're, we did not have some other players that went before us in the top ten in our top six, seven players. I know that. And sometimes you just gotta let you, you just gotta let the draft unfold. But there's an example of projection, and and you're looking at players that were all really top-notch players in their draft years, and and they all had varying degrees of success at the NHL level. Yeah, Montreal Canadiens drafted Terry Ryan eighth, and he played eight NHL games. And then Boston drafted Kyle McLaren at 9. Florida drafted Radek Dvorak at 10. And Dallas drafted Jerome McGinley at 11th. As you mentioned, he went on to score 625 goals, 675 assists, 1,300 points in 1,554 games. What an NHL career that was. But you guys thought that um, Joe Neuendijk was the missing piece to the puzzle, right? And so you traded uh, McGinley for Neuendijk? And you won the Stanley Cup. We did. We did. Well, and, and you know, that was at a time we, we, we had Madonna, we had Hatcher, we had Matt Pachuk, Lagenbrunner, Lettinen. We had a lot of really good young players. And it's going to dovetail into my next comment about where the Montreal Canadiens find themselves. The Canadian Montreal Canadiens find themselves with lots of draft picks in the next two drafts, 23 total. Lots of really good prospects on all the different shells of, of player types that you need in, in your organization. And m- what we had to do is, again, we knew Jerome was a really good player. And I'm, I'll, I'll, I remember this like it was yesterday. And people ask me this all the time, Tony, you know, like, you know, what kind of heated arguments did you have? You know, when did Bob Ganey slam his fist on the table? We had discussions and something would come up and we would present an idea and we would talk about it and then we talk about, okay, what does it mean? What would we be willing to do? What makes us uneasy? And trust me, it wasn't it wasn't a situation where we were like, oh yeah, we're gonna go trade Jerome McGinley. But as, as time went on, we, we had been trying to sign another center to play with Madonna. You, you had Sackick and, and Forsberg, you had Fedorov and Eisenman, we're looking and going, we, we can't just leave Mike out there on his own. So we were trying to, we tried to sign Ray Ferraro that summer. We weren't successful. Joe Neuendijk came onto the scene. And so now we're exploring it. And ultimately what came down, and this is what I remember like it was yesterday. This is how Bob said, you know, if we, if we, if we don't make the trade, we're going to uh, still be looking for a really good center to compliment Madonna. But we're going to have a really good player in, in Jerome McGinley. And if, if we don't, and if we do trade for Neuendijk, we're going to have a really good complement center and, a, and somebody that's still at the top of, the, of their game. And, and we're, going to, we're not going to have Jerome McGinley. But he, he, and this is how he framed it. He said, look, you know, we've got a lot of young players. And at some point in time, we have to deal more in the present than, more, than, than in the future. And that's where I say Montreal comes into it. And it was like one of those aha moments. We knew exactly what we had to do. And it wasn't, it wasn't like Bob said, this is what we're doing. It was like, yeah, okay, this is what we got to do. Now let's deal with it. And Montreal is going to come across that point where they're going to have to trade, make a trade, and consider trades like this. But, you know, I, I, it came one win short of being the ultimate win-win. The ultimate win-win. 
because Jerome McGinnis, Calgary Flames in 2004, lost in Game 7 to Marty St. Louis, Tampa Bay Lightning. Let's not forget Marty St. Louis scoring the overtime goal in Game 6 in Calgary. That being said, you know, when we traded for Joe Neuendijk, I can't begin to tell you, Tony, how many people at the World Junior Tournament that year in Boston were telling, oh, my God, like, I can't believe that they only got Jerome McGinley for Joe Neuendijk. We made a much better trade. People were underestimating Jerome McGinley at that time. Wow. Wow, that's something. And were, did those talks last long between uh, Dallas and Calgary? Uh, and did you try right until the last minute to try and take Aginla off the table? Or there was, it was very clear to you that the, you know, the Flames made it very, very clear that it was Aginla or nothing. Well, Joe was holding out. Joe was holding out. He didn't start the year. He, he wasn't going to stay in, in Calgary. So, so that was the scenario that presented ourselves. Now, keep in mind, the reason I point out in, in free agency that summer, we, we whined and dined Ray Ferraro. We really wanted to, we thought Ray would be a great fit for us. And Ray chose the uh, New York Rangers as a free agent. I mean, that's what you do. And, you know, and so w- w- we were right on the, we were right looking hard to try to find uh, th- that type of center to compliment. And then Joe says, I'm not going to camp. So we got involved in the talks early on, whether that be in September when, when Joe made his position clear. I know the Calgary Flames were trying to uh, talk to Joe, you know, see if they could, uh, you know, reconcile some of the differences that led Joe to saying, I'm not going to play here anymore and I'm holding out, whatever they were. So now the discussions and Al Coates said, yeah, okay. So he was taking in a lot of information about who was interested in, in Joe. And I mean, he had, I mean, he had any number of teams that were interested in Joe, but I don't know when it was it, it November, early November where Al made it very clear. You want to be serious about Joe Newenday? This is what it's going to take. I remember back to Tri-Cities. I remember being with Les Jackson, our assistant manager. We were in Tri-Cities. It was after a game. We had just watched Jerome play, as well as Terry Ryan and Damon Lankow, <laughs> ironically. And I remember Les saying, and this is where it was at. Like, so it was. this might have been the third week in November. He said, Jesus, Jerome ever a good player. He said, you know, this is one of those really hard ones. This isn't one where you try to – and, yes, we did try to manipulate around it. Yes, we did try to – Work other players in it. Al was very, very clear. If you want to be in on Joe Nordyke, this is what it's going to take. So now you do the dance. You do the dance a little bit. Bob, Bob, uh, Bob knew how to do the dance. Was excellent. And it wasn't yeah. until right and before the, uh, the 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 World Junior Camp in New Brunswick that we made the deal. And certainly, uh, it, it was it was in the making for for a number of months. And you would think that the Calgary Flames knew Jerome McGinley pretty well, right? Playing in the Western Hockey League, and he's an Alberta boy. And Don Hay was the assistant coach in Calgary who had coached Jerome <laughs> in Canada. Uh, I think I, got I think they had a pretty good idea uh, of, yeah. of, of when they made. And again, like you'd be amazed, Tony. Like the, the tournament in Boston, how many? I shouldn't say a lot. There was a number of teams. There was, oh, my God, I can't believe you, you, you know, we offered a much better player. I remember Les Jackson one night getting mad at a couple of teams. He, he just basically, and that's not Les's personality. He just basically told him, he goes, you guys have no idea how good Jerome McGinley is, and he's way better than the guys you offered. And it was kind wow. of like they're on the back of their heels. 
And they were kind of looking at me. He goes, well, he goes, I've sat in here a bunch of nights and heard you all talk about uh, about Jerome McGinley and what a bad deal it was. And he goes, I'm sick of it. <laughs> Jerome was the MVP of the World Junior Tournament. Wow. All right. So this is, you know, uh, you're going to understand where I'm going with this now when Dyke, because Joe Newendike, um, you know, was was a big centerman. He was what, 6'1", maybe 6'2", you tell me. Uh, yep. and, uh, you know, he could, he could put up points, um, with the Calgary flames. He had a couple of seasons where he was, um, I think in the nineties, the Canadians have a big centerman in Kirby doc who hasn't put up a ton of points yet, because of course, um, there was an injury last year and an injury this year who, by the way, four months after suffering an ACL and ACL surgery, Kirby Doc was on the ice earlier this morning in Brassard skating. Isn't that something to come back from an ACL surgery four months later? Well, it's happening way quicker now. The medical technology has advanced so well and everything. I mean, you used to hear about an ACL and you used to go, oh, that's a nine-month injury, right? Like, but the the, the procedures that 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 the that have been advanced. The recovery, the understanding of rehab, so much further advanced. So you know now it's about you got to you got to you got to recover from the surgery, you got to rehabilitate the injury, and then you got to start training. So you know I see it a lot. My wife works with the Canadian Olympic Committee and works with uh, and over the years with a lot of skiers. So so I so so I feel that I have a a little bit more knowledge on, 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 that, on yeah. that type of injury and, and, and how the medical uh, technology has advanced so significantly. Yeah. Scott Livingston here works with a lot of skiers and a lot of Canadian yeah. Olympians too. And when I have a question regarding uh, rehab and uh, injuries like this and ACLs, I give Scott a call and he usually gives me uh, quite a bit of information. So there's a good resource, but, Prior to Kirby Doc, like the last time the Montreal Canadiens had a big centerman who can put up a point a game more was Bobby Smith. Uh, Max LaPierre and I were talking about Slavkovsky. Max LaPierre has been very, very high on Slavkovsky uh, ever since the Canadians, ever since he saw him and, and saying that he had, uh, you know, he had the IQ and he had everything. Um, okay, we'll move on. We'll get, we'll get back to this. I'll actually bring up the point before we get to the clip. Can a player like Slavkowski, in your opinion, play center? Well, you know, uh, there's a school of thought, and certainly at different times over the years, I've thought, well, you know, if you're a center, uh, and, and you know, most most teams when you're younger want you to play center if you're if you're a top notch player. And why did you end up on the wing? And certainly, you, you know, you can look at players that are smart enough and certainly have an IQ. That doesn't always mean you can go and play center. But 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 I've opened up my mind to that. But you know, Pierre Luc Dubois, who I only who I watched play left wing for a long time in junior coming up, and then Columbus drafted him and said, "We think he can be a center." And I think Pierre Luc, you know, he hasn't had a great year in LA, but I think Pierre Luc is a good example. Of, of, of a player because he was so smart and, 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 and able to make the transition. Now there's some, there, there's some similarities in terms of skill set and, and size for, with Pierre-Luc Dubois and Uri Slavkovsky. So what I would say is, is that could he? Yeah, he could, but, but you're going to have to get him in there and test him in that spot and let him see how he handles it. 
Now, keep in mind that we're watching him develop. We're watching him develop as a as a player on the wing that's been really impressive. And and it, it, it didn't happen quickly. It's happened maybe a little bit more rapidly than we anticipated. It, you move somebody now into the middle of the ice, there's going to be some some development time and growing pains there. If, if, if you think he can do it, you got to commit to it. That's what I, the Columbus Blue Jackets committed to Pierre-Luc Dubois being a center. A lot of teams, Toronto Maple Leafs, all William Nylander is going to be a center for two games, for, for a week. <laughs> like, you, you, like, if you want to do it, you got to commit to it. Do I think he could? Yeah, I think he could but not without the okay. commitment to, to let him. And I'm not talking about 10 games. I'm talking about being committed to have, having him learn and settle into the center ice position. All right, here's the clip. Maxim LaPierre last night on the Sick Podcast talking about your ice, Lovkowski. He's unreal. And, okay, now we're, we're just going to have fun, but I'm, I was watching the game upstairs, and I was thinking this guy could probably be a very good center. Just the way he reads the game in the in the defensive zone, you know. Sometimes you see a young guy, a winger, they they look out of place when they they're down low helping their defenseman. He doesn't care. He's calm. He protects the center of the eyes. Gives a good options to his D man, to his wingers when when he's down low. I I would not be surprised if they do a test one day. Just just to see. I know we've done it in Montreal Montreal with guys like Drouin and all that, but that's there's nothing to do with that. I think he's a smart guy. He's strong defensively. He's strong physically, which is a good good thing. He's good offensively. He's he's the full package. And I I want to repeat that you don't get draft first overall. And yes, it happened in history, but there's a reason why you go first overall. And in any draft, normally the top three they have something very special. That's a special player. All right, uh, you know. He's taken huge steps, Slavkovsky. Once again, we showed like 19 points in his last 22 games, a six-game point streak during that span. He's got five goals, four assists. You know, he's he's on the, the same pace as Jack Hughes in his first 92 games in the National Hockey League. Um, but it would take a lot of courage, would it not, for the Canadians to put Slavkovsky, let's say starting next week, they decide, you know what, we're going to give Slavkovsky five games at center. If he doesn't perform well, look, I think it's he could go back to the wing and he'll be fine because it's probably going to be like riding a bike for him. But does it take a lot of courage to take a player who's doing really well and then try him in another position to experiment? Because they can experiment. By all means, it doesn't look like they're going to make the playoffs. They still are rebuilding. But it's a pretty courageous move, is it not? Yeah, it is. I, I, I think you have to have... The courage to do it, the, the courage to stand up to the scrutiny, and and Max, I, I, I thought outlined it perfectly. He said, "You got what's wrong with testing him there?" I I, I think you got to commit to it too. I, I I don't think you you have to have the courage, you have to have the belief, and then you have to work with them in the development and commit to it. So, you know, maybe it's twenty five games. I don't know, but maybe to your point, Tony, maybe now is the perfect time to do it. You know, I, I don't. Montreal's not going to make the playoffs. Uh, there's just I, I don't think that's realistic. I I felt, and I said this back in the November, that if they're if they finish with 82 points this year, which would be a 500 record, it would it would be a sign of massive improvement. 
Well, now I don't think that changes. I think their year had, had shown real steps forward and some real progress. Why not do it right now? Why not do it right now and say, hey, listen, we're, we're going to do this. You also have to get the player to embrace it. You, 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 the player is saying, hey, are you willing to try this? Because one of the things you don't want to do either, his confidence is, is soaring now. And as a first overall pick, you know, you're, you're starting to feel really good about your game. You're saying, hey, I'm a really good player. There's no, there's nobody's wondering anymore, oh, is he going to be able to do it? Should he stay here? Should he stay there? He's a Montreal Canadian. He's locked and loaded. You don't want to mess with the confidence of a player where he's starting to go, well, geez, I'm going to have to go learn again and go. And, and remember, going through the confidence growth is, it is part of the maturation growth of a player. So, you know, like understanding how he feels about it. And I know this. Players, you go to you. If you presented this, Tony, you went down. Hey, you're right. Here's what we're thinking. Here's what Max thinks. You know, you put all the platitudes there. We'd like to try to say, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. It 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 is not the answer. He's got to embrace it. He can't just yes. be willing to do it. He has to embrace it too. So that's another part of the question that the Montreal Canadiens have to answer, along with the courage and the commitment and, and, and digging in on the development of it too, to make sure that your eyes ready to embrace this test, so to speak. You know, if they would do it and it would work, it could be a huge reward, oh. right? Like I, like I know you and I have talked about this on many occasions uh, a lot of people don't think that Nick Suzuki is a number one centerman. I would hope that he he changed their mind by now. You and I have always said that we believe that Nick Suzuki is a number one centerman. Okay? Um, yep. But a lot of people have said when Nick Suzuki is a number two centerman, that's when the Montreal Canadiens have arrived, and that's when they're going to be a serious contender. If you put Slavkowski at center, because and, and it works out, and he becomes that number one centerman, then you have Suzuki as your number two. And if you're wondering what's going to happen on right wing, Kirby Doc showed Canadians fans last year that he fit in real nice with Suzuki and Caulfield on that line. So, you know, if you if you think that Kirby Doc can't be that guy as the number one centerman, uh, and you think Slavkowski can, and the line won't skip a beat if Kirby Doc ends up going to wing with I mean, it, that that can change a lot of things. That can change a lot of things. You still need a couple of wingers, though, on this team, right? We talked about it with Max yesterday. Max was saying, in his opinion, for this team to be to, to be a contender, you need two wingers on the second line, and you need a quarterback for the power play. Even though Mike Matheson has done great on the power play, especially since Christmas. That power play, by the way, Craig, is at a clip of 27% since Christmas. 27%. Matheson with Slavkowski, Suzuki, Caulfield, and now Newhook. 27% since Christmas. Again, like players finding a rhythm, players finding a, a symmetry with one another, and, and that's pretty impressive. I would totally 100% agree uh, with Max on, on the needs for the Montreal Canadiens. So here's one that, 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 that will, uh, I'll present and, you know, to you and, and to the viewers and listeners on the sick podcast. So the team that the, uh, Montreal Canadiens whipped last night, five, nothing, the Anaheim Ducks have a player that, uh, has been, uh, mentioned quite often now. 
and that's Trevor Zegers. Oh, I was just picks. going there. Oh, well, see, you know, uh, the minds were connected. And we're connected like the Montreal Canadiens power play, 27%. That's pretty good. Anyway, or, when you're looking at Trevor Zegers and you look at Montreal, 23 picks in the next two drafts, lots of prospects. Oh, there it is. I know. There you I go. I wrote that there on a piece go. of paper before the show. <laughs> look at that. Oh, right? You, because, I don't doubt you. Trevor, you, you know this, right? There's a bunch of people. You've heard this. Trevor Zegers is the problem. He's a bad apple in that locker room. He's individual. He's like this. He's like that. I watched the game last night. Trevor Zegers was not playing because he's out with an injury. I'm going to tell you right now, Trevor Zegers is not the problem in Anaheim. You know, and it's good. So, so, so there we go, right? So there we go, Trevor. So Montreal, just let me finish this quickly. 23 picks in this draft and the next draft combined. Lots of prospects. And at some point in time, you're going to have to make decisions, just like we had to do it on Jerome McGinley. You're trying to get difference makers. So I'm going to give you two examples. Two young players that, you know, a little bit older at the time than the, than, than the other. Oh, you can't win with Jack Eichel. Jack Eichel's the problem. Buffalo, second overall pick. You'll never win with Jack Eichel. You know why he couldn't win in with Jack Eichel and Buffalo? Because Buffalo was garbage. Buffalo didn't have a team that could win. And he, you, you, you could have put a lot of players in there and they weren't going to win. So it's easy to blame the player. Oh, well, what do the Vegas Golden Knights do? You know what they do? They shut out all the stupid noise. They go, Jack Eichel would be pretty good for us. Jack Eichel's been a, a franchise changer because they never had a center like that. I'm going to go to another example. The first overall pick in 1997, Joe Thornton. They couldn't wait to get him out of Boston in 2006. Oh, couldn't yeah. wait. Oh, Had yeah. to get him all oh, yeah. the way to the West Coast. You're never going to win with Joe, Joe Thornton. Oh, he's this, he's that, he's that, yeah. he's this. Joe Thornton was a great player. So Trevor Zegras, I will, I will tell – go ahead. You can all believe what you want. I want Trevor Zegras on my team. I want Trevor – I probably – people said, well, why would you want Joe Newman guy? It's like, look at him. He's quitting on the, on the Calgary Flames. I want Trevor Zegras. Trevor Zegras is a game changer. He's a franchise changer. If that guy's available, I may have said this previously, I'm phoning Pat Verbeek every day. What does it take to get him? And you can tell me all you want about all the other garbage I hear about Trevor Zegras. I've known Trevor a long time. I've watched him for a long time. The guy's a winner. He's a winner through and through and through, and he's a game changer. And they don't come along very often. Yeah, a funny story about Joe Thornton, early 2000s. Canadians had quite a few playoff appointments with the Boston Bruins, of course. Anyway, uh, I'm doing some reporting for the radio station that I'm working for. I decided to make my way down to Boston. Canadians pushed the Bruins to Game 7. The Boston media expected the Bruins to win that series and probably didn't expect it to go seven games. On the day of Game 7, Kevin Paul DuPont of the Boston Globe wrote an article on Joe Thornton and said that the Boston Bruins would never win with Joe Thornton that Joe Thornton was not a leader in that locker room. Joe Thornton was not a captain. And that he, I think he got it off the record from some players that Joe Thornton was not a very good leader, yada, yada, yada. So the media swarming around uh, Joe Thornton the day of the game, and he's answering to questions about Kevin Paul DuPont and the entire Boston Bruins team is, and they're there, yeah, he's a, he's a good leader, he's a good leader. I'm telling you, I walked out of that room and I said, Thornton's rattled. The Bruins are distracted and the Canadians are going to win tonight. 
And that's what happened. And that offseason, Joe Thornton was gone. Like, I'm pretty sure it was that offseason. Shortly there, he was gone. And Michael Connell traded him to the uh, to the uh, San Jose Sharks for, what was it again? Wayne Primo? No, Wayne Primo, yeah? Yeah, Jeff Jilson, Jeff Jilson, Jeff Jilson. And Marco Sturm. Jeff Jilson was a first-round pick, a defenseman from Santa, from from uh, from Michigan. Now, it happened early in the regular season. That's when it happened. And early Joe went to San season. Jose yeah. early in the regular season. Uh, yeah. uh, Joe went to uh, San Jose. Uh, he won the Hart Trophy that year as most valuable player in the league. And he forever changed the fortunes of the San Jose Sharks. Forever changed the fortunes. They had Patrick Morrow. They had some good players there. And you know what? That's where Trevor Zegers comes into play. Nobody's going to convince me that Trevor Zegers isn't somebody you should want. And that doesn't mean that, that the Anaheim Ducks don't have to look at making some changes and the tribe moves and things. I'm just saying with a player like that, I may have told you the story about Vinny LeCalvier. I was in Calgary, and I was phoning Rick Dudley every day. And at some point in time, the owner came and said, why do so many teams in the league want Vinny LeCavalier and we don't? And he changed the manager. He didn't change Vinny LeCavalier. I think it paid off pretty good for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, Did you yeah, want to know yeah, something? Yeah, yeah. The same exact things were said about Vinny LeCavalier that were being said about Joe Thornton, that were being said about Jack Eichel, that were being said now about Trevor Zegras. Garbage is what I say. Wow. All right, okay. Nick Suzuki. Uh, Suzuki's been on a tremendous tear as of late. It's coinciding with the power play working at the clip that it's been working at since Christmas that we talked about. Let's bring up a stat here. Suzuki becomes the second, second player, player. Um to hit 50 points in the shortest amount of time for the Canadians in the last 25 years. It took him 53 games and Saku Koivu back in 2002-2003 did it in 52 games. Koivu, Suzuki, Kovalev, Plakanic, Kovalev and Plakanic again. That's a pretty good company for a very young Nick Suzuki who Craig, you've heard this. A lot of people say, well, if you don't get a point per game, you're not a number one centerman. Even though Patrice Bergeron never had an 82-point season in his career, they still say that anyway. But now that Slavkovsky's progressing and that the Canadians' power play is improving, Suzuki is getting more points. Now, all of a sudden, some people might change their mind because Suzuki's on pace for like about 77 points this season. That's not far off from 82. Well, here's what I would say. You know where I stand on Nick Suzuki as the number one center. I got no problem. And I, I'll go back in time. I'll go back in time. Jacques Lemaire, the great Jacques Lemaire. Jacques Lemaire was a brilliant two-way center. He was instrumental to a lot of success for the Montreal Canadiens. And I am sure that there was times when, oh, yeah, well, he's not Phil Esposito. Yeah, well, nobody was Phil Esposito, right? Nick Suzuki's his own player. I think he's got a brain like Jacques Lemaire. I think he's a complete two-way player like Jacques Lemaire. And if somebody's going to tell me I can't win with Nick Suzuki, good, like, I'm not agreeing with you. 
I, I, I've watched Nick Suzuki for a long time. I can win with Nick Suzuki as my number one center. This isn't about having a LeBron James or a Michael Jordan and you need that. Nick Suzuki is a difference maker, and he's a difference maker in a positive way. So if, if you don't like Nick Suzuki as your number one center, don't celebrate Jacques Lemaire as the great center he was for the Montreal Canadiens winning all those cups. You know, Mark Bergevin takes a lot of heat by many, even here, in regards to some of the contracts some of the players got, notably Brendan Gallagher's six-year contract at $6.5 million dollars. There were a couple of contracts there that were a little bit hard to digest. Yoel Armia getting $3.4 million. Um, but Mark Bergevin saved the Montreal Canadiens a lot of money by offering Nick Suzuki an eight-year deal at $7.875 million. Because if Suzuki's contract was up this year or next year or the year after, he's breaking the bank, like breaking the bank. And he saved the Canadiens. And I said to Mark, I said, uh, Because he, he gave Suzuki very young in his career. He gave him that contract. And I, I said to Mark, I said, Mark, talk to me about that contract. And um, he said, Tony, when I'll be gone, Nick Suzuki will be here and he'll be here for a long time. And the Montreal Canadiens will have themselves a number one centerman for a very long time in Nick Suzuki. Like Mark Bergevin was so sure that Nick Suzuki was going to be a number one centerman for the Montreal Canadiens and a number one centerman in the National Hockey League that, hey, for all the times that everyone says Bergevin gave out a back contract here or there or there, we have to say Bergevin got it right with Suzuki. He got it right. Every manager in the history of the league has given out a bad contract or two. I don't care who you are. And the, the more contracts you give out, the more opportunity. Now, listen, you're going to be judged on doing more good than bad. And, and, and everybody wants a point. I keep hearing in, in Vancouver, oh, my God, Jim Benning, like, I can't believe he drafted Ole Uwalevi. Yeah, okay, can you believe he drafted Quinn Hughes and Elias Pedersen? Like, you know, it's just it's amazing how everybody wants to, wants to go to the, to the negative and, and, and whatnot. Nick Suzuki also in this regard, you know, again, we're back to belief in a player, and, and certainly Mark had that in, in, in Nick. But also that contract may have very well helped the Montreal Canadiens with Cole Caulfield's long-term contract. You know, you start to think about how contracts within an organization work, and you can say, hey, here's what we're doing here. Why does Kucherov only make just over $9 million? Like, you know, because the Tampa Bay Lightning have gone and said, this is our structure, this is what we're doing. And, and I'll finish with this, Tony. Prices yeah. never go down in, in professional sports. They always go up. And I have seen more owners be pound penny wise and pound foolish where they only cost themselves more money. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully that goes for podcasters too. That <laughs> <laughs> Daniela's listening. Hey, I'll, I'll leave you with this. You brought up Trevor Zegras, and we'll finish with this. And this has been, once again, so enjoyable. Man, time flies when you're having fun. Um, yes. You talk about all the draft picks the Canadians have over the next couple of years, 23. The Anaheim Ducks, they've done extremely well with drafting. You know, I know you talked about Pavrobeek. I think Martin Madden Jr. is one of the best scouts in the game. That's what I believe. And if you say to Martin Madden Jr. and the Pavrobeek and the Anaheim Ducks, you know what, for Trevor Zegers, we got one pick, we got two picks, or we got three picks. 
they're you know those picks they're all gonna end up playing in the national hockey league for the anaheim ducks so they'll do okay too they'll do okay there's no question there's no question about it and prospects they know the prospects they know what's going on in there i mean let's let's just look at this they had the three best defensemen in their respective leagues last year in in the western hockey league olin zelliger second round pick in the ohl pavel minchukov a first round pick and in the Quebec League, Tristan Luneau, a second-round pick. So it's not just about picking in the first round. They've done a fantastic job of scouting and, and developing. And certainly, you know, you look at Trevor Zegras, and, 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 and hey, sometimes you, you're looking, you know, they have McTavish, they have Carlson. They may say, hey, listen, you know what, we can afford to maybe explore some other opportunities to build their team out in different ways, much like Max Lapierre talked about what the Montreal Canadiens need. That's how you find trading partners. You match up. You try to find out what we need. Can we satisfy what they're looking for and at the same time get what we're looking for? That's how magic is made in the trade market. Speaking of magic, it's now time to end the podcast, and hopefully some magic will happen for you, Mr. Button. Happy Valentine's <laughs> to you and the missus. Much love. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Craig. There you have it. TSN's Director of Scouting and Hockey Analyst, Craig Button. Always a pleasure and uh, and a joy to talk to Craig. Happy Valentine's to all of you. I hope you all enjoyed the sick podcast tonight. For all of you watching on YouTube Live, Facebook Live, and Twitter Live, special thanks to our partners and our sponsors, Energy Transportation Group, Labitta TV, Playground, and Accent Insurance Solutions. If you like it, like it. Share with your friends, comment sick, S-I-C-K, S-I-C-K. And a final reminder, or a reminder again tonight, we'll remind you the rest of the week. It's Sammy's first annual poker tournament, Texas Hold'em Poker Tournament, on Saturday, February 17th at 6 p.m. at Playground. $150 per ticket is your entry. Drinks are included. Not included is food, buy-ins, and add-ons. All proceeds are donated to Cure SMA Canada, Cure Spinal Muscular Atrophy. We'd love to see you there. Sammy will be there. Agnello will be there. The Cavalaros will be there. And I will be there. They're Cavalaro. I'm Marinaro. Have a good night. The Sick Podcast. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination.